Hello and welcome to the Happy Healthy Strong Podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you live a happier, healthier, and stronger life. Building a life that you love starts with you owning your health and intentionally creating the best version of yourself. So if you're looking to better understand how proper nutrition, daily movement, mindset work, and strength training can help you create a life full of happiness and health, then you are in the right place. I generally hope that the tips, tricks, and information that we share will be the catalyst for change. I'm your host, Adam Lane. It's time to dive in. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Happy Healthy Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lane. With me today, from the East Coast, Mr. Stu Brower. What is up, guys? Happy to be back on, buddy. Oh, look at you. Stu, a two-time guest. A two-time guest. Have, I, have you had other guests on twice now? Have you cycled uh, uh, through them? Uh, a couple, but that yeah. only, only the best of the best. Only, only the best of the best, yeah. That's, that's how this works. So, um, but yeah, no. Stu, it, 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 honestly, you have such a unique um, take on, on fitness. It's so, so, so different than what a lot, a lot of people are doing and, and yeah, so different than what everyone else is doing. Um, but you're getting some fantastic results through some things. If people didn't listen to previous podcasts, they yeah. don't know you and you and how big of a deal you are. You want to give a little, little, the, so, what you've yeah, done? Let, let, we'll you've do done the number. Things. Yeah. The real quick summary guys. I've been in the fitness industry. That's how Adam and I know each other. I owned a gym here in Charlotte. I was fortunate enough to use the, the the success of my my gym to purchase a building which allowed me to quote unquote retire uh during the first year of quote unquote retirement which is 2021 i got to dive back into fitness because adam and anyone else who owns a gym will tell you when you own a gym fitness is like the last thing on your priority your own personal fitness is the last thing on your priority list so i got to make it a priority again and in that I had my previous gym, our big focus was on what we call tempo training. Essentially, it was a group fitness model that just focused on creating higher time under tension, less hit, like high-intensity interval training. I'd still consider it high-intensity, but it was not, you know, this – the slam, bam, thank you, ma'am, very quick. What everyone probably visualizes when they think of high-intensity interval training, slam balls and jumping and pushing the barbell and this, and just like such quick movement. So we went the antithesis to this. I created a, a successful group fitness model out of it. So when I shut all that down, I still believed in that. I didn't just do that to make money. I literally, that's what I 100% believed in was this belief in fitness, tempo training. And then I designed it for myself. The workouts looked a lot different because I no longer had the, uh, the limitations of having to run a business out of it. You know, gym owners know when we're running group fitness, we're kind of looking at at least like about an hour to work people within. So you got to get a warm up into this and into that. Well, I didn't have those constraints. So I started going to the gym for two hours and I, because I had nothing else to do. I was just messing around and my workouts started looking a lot different, but based on tempo. And I got to do things that you couldn't do in a group model just because of different kinds of equipment. You couldn't do at scale and things like that. Then in uh <clears throat> In August, September this year, I decided to sign up for the Chicago Marathon um, and honor a buddy of mine who passed away. And, and Chicago was like our spot that we were always supposed to go to. We never got a chance to go. I was born there. He was born there. So I had this romantic vision of running the Chicago Marathon, and I'm not a runner. My girlfriend is a runner. Her father is an Ironman. He's a runner. His whole family is – her whole family is runners. They are runners. They are the noun. I'm not a runner. I'm running. I'm using it as a verb. I keep joking around. She's like, you're a runner now. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't put that noun evil on me. I am not a runner. I am simply in your world for a period of time, and I am running. So I am training for the Chicago Marathon, have never ran a marathon, never ran a formalized race until I did a 5K at the Charlotte, North Carolina Marathon four months ago. Um, I'm going to Austin here in like three weeks. I'm going to do the half marathon at Austin. 
I'm going to probably do another half marathon, maybe somewhere in Cali or somewhere like in warm by the water, maybe one more after that. And then they'll leave me my first time ever doing a marathon will be Chicago marathon, October of 2023. And I've taken a very unique training approach to this. I studied and looked at a ton of different marathon training programs, everything from your basic Hal Higdon's, you know, kind of stuff to Jack Daniels to, I mean, anyone who's written popular training programs out there for marathon training. I looked at them and I said, I don't want to run that much. I like being a bigger, stronger guy. Um, and I want to try to create a capacity to run. And it's not just a marathon. Anyone, I believe anyone can run a marathon. I want to run a three-hour marathon. So it's a 650 pace. That's aggressive for your first marathon. That's quite aggressive. Um, so I, I've kind of devised this hypothesis as to how tempo training, my new version of it, how I can tweak it and adjust it into what I believe is a program that would allow me to have the strength endurance to perform at my three-hour goal while still I'm 205 pounds. Um, I get DEXA scans for body fat testing and bone density done every six to eight weeks. I getting VO2 max test done every 10 weeks. And um, with without losing lean body mass, um, body fat reduction, staying the same, it's not lowering and increasing my VO2 leading up to this with doing the minimum viable amount of running possible um, in accordance with this tempo training hypothesis that I've created. Yeah. So, so this is funny. So coming from the, the, the running community, I, I ran the Chicago marathon back in 1999, um, a little while ago. Um, and I then, was fascinated by your stories and we were going back and forth prior. I had no idea how much of an enduro you were. Yeah. I, well, and it was, so I got, I, I finished whatever high school and like, Hey, what's, what's the next thing? What's and next? So I, yeah. I, I started running. I'm like, Oh, this fit people run. Um, I was an offensive lineman in, in high school. And so I, I lost a bunch of weight through just through, cause when you're 18, you just go out distance run, you can lose sure. five pounds and it, it's yep. like that. Um, I got in pretty decent run shape. And then when I went to Iowa state, the Iowa state pool was literally across the street from my dorm. And so I'm like, Oh, I'll go, go swim. How hard can this be? And it's like, basically like running while drowning. Like that was the condition <laughs> of the two. And then, um, th that next summer, because I, I, uh, turned into a pretty decent swimmer. Cause I, I had the shoulders for it. Um, you know, anybody can pedal a bike. So it's like, Hey, I'll, I start doing this oh. triathlon thing. And that, so when you, when you say the, the runner versus running, I, I know that community, it is a unique community that they are. Yeah. They're very, they are. they're, 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 a, they're a lovely group. They're, they're, they're a they're, lovely group. 20% of them have accepted strength training. And so I've been, you know, yeah. I'm not naive enough, nor would I have the absolute ignorance of thinking that I can go out there and run a marathon at three hours without actually running and having a structured running program. I'm not that naive. So I've reached out to, you know, I'm working with coaches locally abroad um, to, to help install the right, the minimum viable amount of running needed into this program to make sure I can run at this 650 pace. And in doing so, I am, you know, I'm meeting other, I've had, so starting out, I have it on Friday, last two, last, I've had runners, big time runners in Charlotte, like with big followings. Right. They they write uh, a girl named Casey Klein, um, who, if you look her up on Instagram, she writes programming for like Sam Okinawa, who is a world class bodybuilder, huge name on the Internet. And he's now running marathons. She's his coach. <laughs> and I have her coming through on Friday because I pay. I met with her. She's we've done some consulting together. I had her look at my running form. We went out to the track. We've had a lot of discussion. She's a CrossFitter as well. And uh, I explained to her my workout. She goes, that's 
I've never heard like that's I've not heard of things like this. I want to do this. So she's coming through on Friday. I want to do a workout. I've had a bunch of running endurance people that I've known through my girlfriend and whatnot come through to like, let me let me see these workouts you're doing. Are you really training for are you really doing a two and a half hour workout? And at, you know, 90 minutes in, they're like, OK, OK, time out here. I'm uh, so I, I haven't had anyone make it the full two and a half hour, like or make it the entire length of one of my workouts yet. No one has, has stuck it out because um, it's. It's not like running. If I had them just run for two and a half hours, they could do it. Yeah. But if I have them do what I'm doing for two and a half hours or two hours or 90 minutes or three or whatever time domain that workout is that day, because that's my hypothesis. I have to be able to maintain a heart rate at a certain level for three hours. I need to do it in the specificity of 185 beat or 185 steps per minute cadence, which is my ideal cadence. Okay. So we, I, and I, it's in for the specificity of running, but. I do believe that if I can, you know, aerobically condition myself to where three hours of work is a day, it's a day in training for me. Three hours of work is not a thing that challenges me anymore. My heart rate at 156 to 164 for three hours is an every day of, is like a very common event for me. Now, my only thing is the mechanics of running, the efficiency of running, um, Developing enough structural wear and tear on my, you know, being able to accumulate the volume needed for my ankles, knees, and hips. Uh, I see a physical therapist twice a month now, uh, getting body work, and I'm working with running analysis coaches where I get on the tread. I have fucking cameras on me, and we look at my technique. I mean, I'm taking this as you would have thought, you know, Nike was fucking sponsoring me. And <laughs> this is just for a per. This is literally all started with an Instagram blog, an Instagram page that I threw up to document this journey. And, um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I, I, I am incorporating the running thing because I, I going back to what you said, like those runners um, running and people identify as runners. I don't, I just don't identify as a runner. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like I've found only 20% of them really identify with strength training. And when they do, they segregate it. Mm -hmm. They run, they'll do like a long run in the morning. Then they'll go to the gym later in the evening. Yeah. And then, you know, segregate. And I have people like, well, Stu, nobody can work out for three hours. We have real jobs. And shit. I get that hundred percent. However, I take your long run. Right. Let's say a long run for someone, they're going to go hit uh, 17 miles, 18 miles, whatever, at a low S, like a steady pace run. Let's say they're going to be out there for two hours. Okay. Well, you had two hours then. My contention is you could go ahead and if you have two hours in the morning, I can rewrite two hours worth of work in which you're only running for maybe 45 to 90 minutes or 45 minutes to 60 minutes, and you're doing my tempo training the remaining of the time. And I believe. With zero data, zero to back this up, other than my own personal n equals one, that I th I think I could get somebody aerobically conditioned enough, and as long as they have enough specificity in there, to tackle a marathon and perform above average. Yeah, and well, and just coming from the running side, that's why, like I, I was always more identified more with the triathlon crowd than I did the the running crowd because sure, the the running crowd is a bunch of you know these you know. 135 pound males who are, you know, five foot 10 or above. Yeah. And that was, that, that was never me. So the, when you blur the triathlon thing and you have three different, you know, races in essence with, within one, um, the, 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 the average guy kind of, it, it worked out really, really well for me, but you see within, within running so much of the time, the limiting factor is typically not somebody's VO two max. It, it, it's, it's not their, you know, this, that, it's their ability, which is to stay healthy. If they stay healthy, they can continue to improve and continue to get better. You're taking, I mean, we, we just had a, a, a friend from, of ours, um, 
do a marathon, uh, Madison marathon a couple months back. And, okay. and she did the traditional training. The, she, okay. she had a run coach and it is this many miles in this day and this many miles in this day and this many miles in this day. And you can imagine just the, the and she, she ended up finishing. It was great. We we're thrilled for joy. Um, but the, all the little injury things that pop up when you're just hitting that, that, that one modality, you know, over and over and over and over. And I run and I run and I run and I run where you're taking it. You, you still have the, the, the overall volume of work. It is a ton of work that you're doing. Um, but it's a, a, across so many different movements. C can you run somebody through like a, a workout? Yeah. Just, just so yeah. they can wrap their head around it because it was, it's, sure. it's very unique. So for example, so for today, uh, I'm going to go out, I start off with a five mile run and that five mile run for me, I'm going to hit that at, I'm going to uh, push the pace and that's going to be a higher end of zone three. So if you're familiar with the five zone heart rate monitor kind of scenario. So um, I'll be there in the higher end of zone three. Um, and then I'm going to come in and immediately upon coming in, all I do is change shoes. I get out of my Sacconis, I slap on my high top nobles mm -hmm. and I'll then go for 40 minutes of tempo training. And, and the operational definition I've been using for tempo training, it's a fitness model that utilizes time under tension to develop strength, endurance, and hypertrophy. Okay. Strength, endurance being the operative word there. It's the, it's an area of, of fitness on the spectrum that I don't think we spend enough time focusing on. We focus on strength, and endurance, and that's the concurrent training model that that twenty percent of runners who have adopted strength training are doing. Again, endurance in the morning or the evening, strength in the morning or the evening, the opposite of the day. So, um, so anyway, five mile run, come on in, forty minutes of uh, tempo training. That's always an upper body element, a lower body element, and a midline element. They could be multiple. It could be like upper body one, superset it with upper body two, into lower body one, superset it with lower body two, into midline one superset with midline two. They could be single elements if they're really heavy. It all it all kind of depends without getting too much in the boring element of that. 40 minutes of that. And now I'm going to go back out on the road. Now I'm going to hit three miles. Then I'm going to come back in. And now I'm going to go knock out another 40 minutes of tempo training. Then I'm going to go back out the road and I'm going to maybe hit a, a one mile. And that one mile might be a threshold. It might be, you know, whatever I've got left, like high intense kind of thing. Um, other days I've done things where I, uh, I've night 60, 60 minutes in the gym doing tempo training. Out for a nine mile run, 30 minutes in the gym doing tempo training, out for a nine mile run, 15 minutes in the gym tempo training, out for a nine mile run. Concurrently, intracession, and that's the key term here, intracession within the same training block, like time of day. Not, you know, someone, uh, I had someone look at one of my workouts and the workout was 60 minutes resistance training followed by a 60 minute run. And they're like, oh, man, this is great. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like, no, no, no. This is a horrible example of what I do. <laughs> this, that's what bodybuilders do. That's a bodybuilding split. Yeah. 60 minutes on the floor, hypertrophy-based training, and then they'd get on an elliptical or something like that for about 45 to 60 minutes and at a zone two level. Like that's not what's interesting. That was a, that's actually a very boring day of tempo training from an exercise, you know, from our perspective as coaches. The more interesting one are these – Big interwoven, you know, monostructural long distance in the gym, heavy, high time under tension. And when I'm in the gym, everything is done at tempo, meaning a rep could take me anywhere from four seconds to 20 seconds for one single repetition. And it's doing that a lot and it's doing it heavy. A lot of people believe that tempo training is most beneficial to create strength endurance at lighter loads. I'm the, the exact opposite. I believe tempo training uh, with my experiment is best done at loads from 65 up to 85%. And I like to live at about 75 to 85% of max. 
And when I say max, I am not testing one, one RMs. I haven't tested one RM since probably 2014. Yeah. I'm going based off, I work up to a load in which five reps is maximal. Seven reps is maximal. And then I add tempo to it. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, th those are the workouts for just to kind of summarize for anyone listening. So if you're, if, if a runner is listening to this and, and, you know, I'm thinking back to when, you know, I used to coach track and cross country and stuff like that. My cross country runners would put in, you know, 30 miles a week, 35 miles a week, 40 miles a week. You know, there were times where I, I overtrained them. I'm very, and, and sure. we too hard and we, and we hit that. Boom. Um, then I started incorporating strength training. We got faster and it was all good. Anyway, what, um, the, the, now you're obviously training for a marathon. So everything is longer. Um, I, I, do you track mileage and stuff like that? Like how many miles per yeah. week we, well, are we looking I don't at track. It? Yeah. I don't track it. Garmin does it for me. Right? Ah, that, there we go. Um, so right now I'm tracking a level of mileage that anyone that was, that heard first time doing a marathon and you want to do three hours. There's no way you're going to do it. I'm probably under 25 to 30 miles a week. Yeah. There we go. So, um, Yesterday, I did five as a recovery. On Saturday, I did 11. Earlier in the week, I did five. So there's 21. Yeah. Right? This week, today, I'll do, uh, I might get six in or so today, maybe eight. Thursday, I'll get in some tempo work. Um, and then I'll have a long run on maybe Saturday or Sunday. So how many, so like, are we running three days, days a week? About, about, about three days a week, maybe yeah. four. There we go. The that, other days, constantly different. Bike. Yes. All right, hit that again. Yeah, the other days of the week, constantly. I'm training six days a week. I take a full rest day is Thursday. The only thing I do on Thursday is pretty much sauna. Mm -hmm. um, but any days, so let's say I'm on, I'm on the road three days a week. The other, f you know, uh, four days, I'm sorry, three other days of the week would be the Concept 2 bike. And that's through a lot of the work and uh, stuff I've learned from like Chris Henshaw, um, who I've had the pleasure to speak with and, and run this idea by him and get his his intake or his take on it and, and what I can and what I should and should not be doing. So through the bike, you're able to keep the keep the work capacity up and driving. We we just don't have the pound 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 on, on yeah. the bike. The concept two bike, if you look at it, has the most mimical, the most way to mimic the wheel like motion of the leg in the run. Mm -hmm. And so like I'm running at my cadence, my best cadence is like right around that 182 to 185. That's where I'm gonna be the most efficient. To everything. So you take half your cadence. So let's say 185. Half of that is 92, 92.5. So 92.5 is the RPMs you're looking for on a Concept2 bike. You want 50% of your running cadence in RPMs on a Concept2 bike. And you want it at the highest flywheel setting available that you can sustain that for an hour. Yeah. So for me, that's just, it's above three, but below right around four-ish, like somewhere right in there. And, you know, so I'm collecting my, you don't just jack it up to 10. Yeah. Well, so I will, if I'm on there, sometimes where I'm doing a day where, um, you know, how a tempo run might go, I might go on a tempo run and I hit, uh, two miles at marathon pace, six fifty, And then I back off for two miles or a mile at, you know, eight 30. So I will do stuff on the, the concept two bike. That'll mimic that if depending on what my workout looks like, where maybe I'm going to go ahead and I'll be at a 92 cadence at a damper of four yep. for 5k 5,000 meters which is around 10 minutes or less yeah then i'm going to go ahead and i'm going to hit a 2k at a damper of 10 
And now I'm going to go ahead and I'm just doing that to just, again, it's about creating lactate for and everyone's for reference point. Everything that happens in your training is also based on kind of gen, what kind of athlete you are genetically training age, body type, ectomorph, endomorph, mesomorph. Are you powerful and explosive or are you more enduring? I'm probably more powerful and explosive by nature due to like the strength training and all the CrossFit type stuff I did for, you know, 16, 17 years. However, I would say that um, at this point, like pushing the sled, I love it. I love pushing a sled. Yeah. It's great. Make the sled as heavy as hot possible. You, I'll never be happier. Have me push a lightweight sled or nothing on the sled as fast as possible until lactate is just coursing through my veins. I'm not the happiest man ever. It's not there. But that's the key, though, is a powerful athlete will generate power. My problem is can I sustain it once lactate starts to accumulate and that's the thing that like what i'm what this thing is is like okay well, i'm gonna do all the strength training in the gym that's tempo based long time under tension so if i take a load that's 77 percent of technically my one rm and i'm gonna move it for eight reps and every rep is gonna have 10 seconds of time under tension and i'm struggling through to hold that on the eccentric or you know on the isometric at the top or whatever it may be I'm I'm developing this resistance and this fatigue um, preserve uh, my ability to prevail through fatigue. Now, if I pair it up properly, what if I go and I go with that same movement, but I take the weight down and I remove all tempo and I go ham, I go fast with that movement until I build up some lactate, like a good amount, and then immediately switch to the same a different bar that's loaded extremely heavy and perform the same one. So in the sled example, push a sled as fast as you can, empty or very, very lightly loaded, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until the lactate is accumulated, and then immediately switch to a heavy sled yeah. and push through it and force my body to clear lactate under load, under fatigue. That's fair. Can you dive – too. I love that whole thing right there. What, what sometimes, and, and this is going back to a point like five minutes ago, but you said tempo is sh your opinion should not be light. And I think so much of the time, like the, the second, you know, you, you try to slow somebody down in a squat, Hey, three seconds down, three second pause, come on up, blah, 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 blah. All of a sudden they think to themselves like, Oh my gosh, I have to go super light. And you know, they put the little change plates on and go to town, but, but yeah, you're, you're arguing the other way. You're saying, Hey, I, I want to go, you know, 65% to 85% with 75% kind of being that, that most, can you give an example of like leg, heavy leg stuff? Um, that, sure. that, that you would do just so people can wrap their head around it. Cause it, it, this is not like some pansy way of training. Um, because <laughs> obviously people can't yeah. hang with what you're sure, doing. Correct. So let, let's say someone, um, let's say we got somebody who has a back squat of 300 pounds. Okay. 300 pounds. And we go ahead and I take 78% of that back squat, which would be about 235. All right. 235 pounds. So, uh, at 78% of that back squat, I might go ahead and prescribe a, uh, a scheme of, okay, you're going to go hit a five-mile run. Fuck it. Let's take it longer. Let's hit a 10-mile run, 10 yeah. miles, and then you're coming in the door. You're then going to get to that bar, and we're going to knock out back squats at 234, and you're going to descend in four seconds to the bottom. You're going to hold for three seconds and explosively come back up, and then you give about a four-second recovery at the top. Um, so that would be something I'd say, okay, for that, let's go ahead and let's, let's go ahead and knock out 4.4.4. That is what we call cluster training. So you do a set of four, 
at 235, four seconds down, three second hold, explode up. Then you rack it. Give yourself 20 to 30 seconds, get right back underneath that bar, down in four, hold for three, explode back up for four reps, rack it. Give yourself 30 seconds of rest. You do it again. We just accumulated 12 total repetitions done in clusters of four reps at a time with high time under tension. My thing here is strength endurance, the ability to be strong for long. Now, what I'm doing will not probably in a, in a nova, in a newer, younger athlete with a low training age, you'll get new PRs, but for a, a well-trained individual, we're probably not going to establish new training PRs. We're not going to PR our back squat and lift heavier. Yeah, honestly, I'm not even going to ever test for that. Mm-hmm. My ability is, can you lift in this heavy, not maximal, but heavy realm? And I look at healthy as somewhere in that, you know, 70 to 85% is heavy, yeah. not heavy if it's the first thing you do. That's warm-up sets for someone if it's the first thing they do. Yeah. I said you just came in off a 10-mile run. And, you know, you come off the 10-mile run, and then you do 40-some minutes in which that's one of the exercises in a circuit you're constantly going back to. Yeah. Oh, and then what if I send you out on a five-mile run after that? That's the, the ability to be able to go strong for long and be in, do with this whole endurance thing. And I think this concept, if you look at it, it's called the hybrid athlete. Hybrid athlete is this idea, yeah. Adam Klink, if anyone remembers him during COVID, he's the CrossFit kid who went and ran a, a sub five minute mile or ran exactly, yeah, sub five or exactly a five minute mile, deadlifted and back squatted 500 pounds and then did 50 kipping pull-ups. Now he didn't do them intra-session. Yeah. He ran the mile in the morning or did the squat maybe first thing in the morning or ran the mile, then it's separated by hours and hours and hours. Then he did the next event and then he separated and did the next event. Um, I think CrossFit has done a great job at showing us that you can't have intra-session strength endurance and people can demonstrate high feats of strength even after long you know, endurance efforts and impressive endurance, endurance efforts. Not like just slugging through at like a nine-minute pace kind of thing. Um no offense, I went at nine minute pace is challenging, but you, you have to say just like not slugging through it like a zone two easy kind of pace. It's um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm coming in at from that angle where no, it's not lightweight, guys. You know, you can. And I think in the beginning, if you're getting used to tempo, like I think tempo is something that gets used or should be used with a beginner, heavily used with a beginner. I think as you climb out of that beginner training age. We can kind of take those wheels off and just let them kind of naturally find their own cadence and rhythm. What you'll find, though, when you train people with tempo in the very beginning of their training, they never move too sloppy. Yeah, it's when they've never installed any tempo, and we teach people to go as fast as possible because we got to AMRAP because yep. we got to get that score on the board. They don't have any concept of slow and steady and smooth and smooth being fast. Yep. So then, you know, they kind of get a ride, but I think it's great for the beginner. And then when someone has a, a significant training age, I like to install tempo heavy again at their, at the, when they're at their kind of their higher training age levels. Cause I, I always believe about going back to the basics. And at that point, the basics are impressive. Like, oh shit, you just took 315 for a ride for seven reps with eight seconds of time under tension per rep. Okay. Like I'm, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. And I don't want to be maximally strong. I, people are like, which one are I? I don't know. I don't care. I'm strong enough to t- handle anything I need to do in this world right now, and I have no idea how strong I am. I'm just yeah. strong enough because I know I can pick – if I can pick up a barbell with twice my body weight or one and three-fourths my body weight on the deadlift, and I can ride that out, double overhand grip, 
you know, for X amount of reps, hand releasing at the bottom with tempo. Like, I don't need to be max. I don't need to be Mark Bell powerlifting strong. I need to be strong enough to look the way I want to look. And then, I mean, running is the lowest power output activity in the world. That's why your grandma can do it. Yeah. <laughs> There's no power output needed to run. You literally lean forward. Gravity will do the rest as long as you keep one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Yeah. So I love... I love, I love this whole thing. I, in all the, the youth athletes that we train and even, even beginner adults and, and stuff like that, that temple piece is such a fantastic thing. Cause if you do have somebody who's, who's brand new to whatever lifting weights and you have them goblet squat and you have them, if you just say squat, you know, they, they just drop it like it's hot, you know, and yeah, then yeah. go all over the place, you know, and they're, they're rolling forward and blah, blah, blah. But if you're like, Hey, you need to count to five before you get to the bottom of the squat, pause for five seconds, and then come up all of a sudden they, they have the kinesthetic awareness to be like, Oh, like this. And they, they almost can coach themselves because they can feel what good movement is versus what, what bad movement is. Um, and, and then I love it too. Like as athletes get better, I'm, I'm a huge Cal Dietz fan. Um, yeah. cause he's, you know, right over in, in Minnesota and, and I've met with him and had conversations and stuff like that. He has some of the best athletes in the world, you know, and they, I don't want to bastardize, you know, triphasic training by just calling it tempo training. But like, it, I mean, the, the first, you know, eccentric, you know, periodization piece that he has is he's got these big old linemen and, and shot putters and stuff like that, putting insane weights on the bar and taking it for a seven second ride down. And then people yeah. are helping them, you know, rack it back in. Cause obviously they're, they're looking to be the, the, the power sport thing, but it's tempo doesn't mean light. Um, no. And I think with everything that you're doing there specifically, cause you're looking for the strength endurance piece, cause you need to keep this up for, for three hours of, of high, what I'm going to call high intensity work. Cause six thirty pace is, is not, not, not slumming. Six fifty. Oh, six fifty. Six fifty. Oh, don't, don't give me, don't give me a six thirty. Damn. I'm, I'm scared enough about six fifty here, Adam. Jeez. Then, then once you hit six thirty, you've heard it today that <laughs> Adam's calling it right now, calling the shot. But no, I, I think that's like, I mean, the, that's fantastic. That I, I see the only reason I see runners fail and I've seen a ton of runners fail, but it's, it's because of those, those overuse injuries of, of yes. things because they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, it, it's just, they, they hit every day and then they, they don't, they're not cognizant of, of how they're running. You're obviously getting coaching, you know, for the run form and stuff like that. And I totally agree. Um, I, I watched the, the, the Charlotte 5k video and yeah, are a little bit over overstrider. Um, yeah. I, and I love that you're shortening that up because honestly, man, the rest of it, I thought looked really, really good. Um, I didn't get every angle, but like, that's, you know, that that's fantastic. It's I good. You're going to love, we got it. We just got a, I went for a 90 minute run analysis with the physical therapist I use here. And I had the videographer come and record the whole thing. And so I'm going to have the whole thing, me on the tread, him looking at everything. And so you're going to love the evolution of my, my shit run form getting better yeah. here. Um, yeah. You know what I'm questioning, you know, I think two things with this tempo training thing. Number one, I think there's an opportunity. The more I talk with the endurance community and I, and I ask them and I'm one of the, I'm like this really like, it's kind of a bold, like the third question I ask you, why <laughs> don't runners like to, why don't they like to lift or why don't they want to strength? And a couple of them, it's a, the time they're yeah. spending so much time on the road, accumulating so many miles. Um, B uh, the, the lack of familiarity and comfortable comfortability with it. They're comfortable on the road. They're just, they're not, you know, a lot of people who run are a little bit, are a little bit introverted. Not all, a yeah. lot of them, like they find solitude on the run by themselves, things like that. Them going to the gym crowded and doing something that's not in their wheelhouse also. And this is a broad stroke. And I hate saying this, a lot of runners who defaulted in the running might not have found prowess in other 
sports, yeah. um, ball-based sports, combat, contact-based sports, things like that. You just might not have found efficiency there, and but you were really fast or you could go for it. You just had endurance. You could outrun everybody, but yeah. you couldn't kick the soccer ball well, mm-hmm. right? So I think that this idea of strength endurance – Right. If I if I can get it out there and get runners playing, and that's why I'm really enjoying these enduro athletes coming through. And I, I missed my shot on the first couple ones that came through because it's kind of a last minute thing. Hey, I want to come work out with you and try one of these workouts and them not be able to keep up even on the endurance piece because they're just they have no strength mm-hmm. or strength endurance, but they don't want I also think runners. The cardio bunnies, like, you know, this from group fitness, we get the people in there when like, okay, we're doing Turkish getups today. And you're like, oh my God, I have a new woman trying the gym and she's in a marathon runner. She's going to think this is the most boring thing in the world. It's not fast paced enough for her. I think lifting traditional three sets of 10 rest X amount of seconds in between is far too boring for these endurance minded individuals. I think if I give them the task, no, go hit your run and then come in here. And we're going to go upper body, lower body, midline, all through tempo in a circuit. And it's not a fast-paced circuit. It's slow and steady and heavy. Yeah. And I'm sending you back out. If they if they believe they're doing a little bit of both, I think there's more. I think I, I think I get to attract a lot more people to embrace strength training, not in the form of maximal strength or absolute strength training, as we might call yeah. it on the spectrum, but in strength endurance. Because the marathon runner doesn't care if they can ever deadlift a bat, you know, have a a forty pound deadlift. But if they can move 145 or one, whatever is relatively heavy for them in that 60 to you know 85% of their 1RM, move that any time of the day they need to, I guarantee you they remove the risk of injury. And I also think they fall in love with weightlifting that way. Yeah. I just think weightlifting is too boring for the average endurance athlete, the way it's traditionally written, like hypertrophy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's – and really, that this is how I kind of found this whole lifting – micro gym crossfit thing is that I, you know, I was, I was coaching track and field and I, I had two kids have labral tears in the hip and they were my best two kids. And it was Ugh, like, well, yeah. son of a gun. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And, and every other track coach is telling me, well, Adam, that is just bad luck. Well, son of a gun. Uh, that, that is tough next year. You'll get them back next year. It'll be, it'll be fine. Uh, bad luck. I'm looking at myself like, well, maybe it's not bad luck. Maybe it's bad training. Like maybe, maybe it's preventative. Yeah, exactly. And, and it just, you know, we, and we, we, we fell into the strength training thing and, and, and whatnot. And that's where like integrating, like the more like met kind of thing was sure. fun initially because it was like, it was just totally different. And it, 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 it kept the, you know, the, the, the I focus. still think if I, if I got to take Jacoby, I don't think I ruin him as a runner by involving more tempo-based strength work or getting him to lift heavier in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there are some people, like most of us are born with 50%, you know, type one and type two muscle fibers, slow and fast twitch, you know, muscle fibers. Um, some of us are skewed genetically the opposite direction. So guys like Jacoby and Chris Henshaw and these guys are just, they're aerobic monsters because that's just how it happened. They, God just gave them that get, you know, that genetic yeah. gift. But I, I do believe, especially, you know, if we look at, you know, in training and stuff like that, if we're looking at, you know, all right, if we're looking at power efforts, strength efforts, guys, are going to be these like these type two muscle fibers, right? Very explosive, but not very enduring, right? These fast twitch guys. And then we go all the way over and you get to your other end, type one, the slow twitch muscle fiber. Very enduring, but not powerful. Yeah. My strength endurance shit kind of lives somewhat there in the middle. It's more like what we saw in CrossFit, where you had to go back and forth between glycolytic and oxidative efforts very frequently. Yeah. Like, you know, very frequently. Um, you're going to love this. The gym that I go to now, this CrossFit gym, 
uh, has been watching. And I just come in there and just do my open gym stuff. And the owners came to me and uh, starting this week, I went and shot the videos last week. They're doing a nine week tempo training cycle. And every Thursday, as they lead up to the CrossFit Open, which is a big thing for a CrossFit gym, every Thursday is going to be a tempo training day. So I've programmed all nine of these workouts, nine weeks in a row. And I've taken, because I'm doing it in not like how I'm doing it necessarily. Again, it's a 60 minute class. They're running a business and these are CrossFitters. They don't want to run the fucking Chicago Marathon in three hours. They want to get better at CrossFit, which I believe tempo training 100% can do for them. Yeah. Um, it can aid in their CrossFit. It can't be their primary thing, but it's a supplementary thing for a CrossFitter. And mm -hmm. so we're doing the nine week uh, cycle and I'm doing things like I've one of got the first workout is going to be a baseline called not so fast Fran. And it's Fran done at tempo, lower rep scheme. You know, you can kip to the top of the pull up if you need to, but you got to hang out there for three seconds with the chin over the bar. You got to come down on a five second eccentric for 15, 12, nine, instead of the 21, 15, nine, um, you know, this, uh, double overhand grip hand release, Diane with, instead of these kipping handstand pushups and deadlifts, it's uh 30 second, or I'm sorry, 15 second wall walks, five second up, five second, hold five second down. And I, you know, I adjust the rep scheme and all that to be appropriate, but again, showing these guys and, and for anyone who's into the hit stuff, what tempo training allows you to do, number one, it's going to give you um, it's going to give you movement pattern practice, like the movements that you're moving too quickly through, you're going to you're going to refine those. Um, it's the one modifiable variable we never touched in CrossFit. Think of all the modifiable variables. And for everyone listening, that's just the elements we can adjust in a workout. So you can have um, high reps in a workout, low reps. You can have a long duration workout, a short duration workout. It could be a heavy workout. It could be a light workout. These are all modifiable variables we've been adjusting in CrossFit and strength and conditioning workouts for a long time. The pop culture hit fitness scene in the commercial gym or the micro gym has neglected or completely disregarded the modifiable variable of what Coach Ian King would call SOM, speed of movement or time under tension, tempo. And so that's like, okay, guys, so if, if CrossFit's this most in one of the most encompassing fitness programs out there, like, but the one modifiable variable that is on every professional strength and conditioning coach, every professional kinesiologist, every professional, like their list of things that you modify, tempo is the only one we've never touched at scale. Yeah. That's all I'm doing. Which I think it shocks some people like that, that sure like, oh my gosh, what's, what's, what's going on? Cause, cause the idea of like not doing 21 pull-ups in a row, doing a pull-up, holding it, feeling, you know, feeling the lats squeeze together and, and burning it and slowly bringing it down for five seconds. Like, mm -hmm. holy, holy buckets like that. It I mean, exposes weakness. And a lot of what CrossFit's become has become so much of an ego show. How fast can I go? And like I've wa I, I do. I watch these kids in class and I I watch them, you know, take a, a 95 pound or 115 pound barbell and take it for a ride for 30 push presses. And then I look at their collarbone afterwards and I think they're in some some into some kind of kinky SM socks. I'm like, how what, what what like why are you all bruised around your collarbone? This is yeah. ridiculous. Um, because they are using momentum to because they they have to get rid of that barbell as quick as possible because they don't actually have the strength to move it for that amount of reps yeah. and i've done i used to jump in the class not to do this purposely but i would jump in the class and i would do the same amount of reps as someone else at tempo i finished after them but like 
in the struggle, like watching this kid struggle through 15 reps and on rep eight, I'm still moving the thing smooth and steady at tempo, not overly slow, but, you know, hold for two, hold for three, that kind of thing. And, and still watching this other individual just dying out. Like they, they're trying to get rid of that barbell as quick as possible. I'm not afraid of the bar. I'm not running away from it. I'm keeping myself in these, the hard spots. I'm staying in the positions that suck, holding that barbell overhead. When all you want to do is drop it back to your shoulder, right? Um, holding it in the bottom of a dip of a push press. Like that's one, if everyone's ever just sat there, just sat with a barbell in the dip position, you actually got to feel where the weight is in your heels and are my tail as my hip, my pelvis flipped out. Do I need to tuck it underneath? Like you actually get to feel your structural position and you're like, oh, this is, I'm, I'm doing this way off. And before I was doing that as fast as possible with my mechanics being way off at blazingly fast speeds for, yeah. oh, I don't know, over 15 years. No wonder I've got a lower back problem. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We use this Sparta science training with the the are you training our, our first responders training, as you know, um, but it's it's so interesting to see some of the, um, the the kids that struggle with that that amortization phase that, that change of direction piece. Um, when all of a sudden you you watch them squat and they bounce out of the bottom of the squat. Yeah. Well, hey, g- g- give me a little pause at the bottom. And they're so terrible at it. Like it is it's so brutal. And I think the phenomenal thing with tempo training is that if you do have a hitch in your giddy up, if you have a kink somewhere in your system, like it will expose that. And then the wonderful thing is it gives you that opportunity to fix what's broken as opposed to you just keep, you know, I have a small leak in my tire, but I'll keep running because it's not quite flat yet. And then all of a sudden it's flat and now you have the back issue and now the shoulders, you know, all wonky. And now the knee's blown out or, or whatever it happens to be. Um, I, I think to, to challenge, I'm very curious to see the, the, the videos that you have coming out because to see people, you know, doing a slow-mo, you know, pull up, you know, or the, the, oh my gosh, the long duration wall walk that, yeah. People would die. And, I guess. I, and, I'm, and I'm being super strict on it. Like, you know, it's a wall walk at the bottom. Your thighs can't touch the floor. <sighs> Toes and chest and chin, not thighs. That's a lapse of your midline. If you let your thighs collapse to the floor, it's because you're not engaging the glutes and the legs. That's it. You mean like collapse, like completely boom? Onto- I mean, like when they get to the bottom of the wall walk and if they need to rest and breathe, that's it. like they're on the floor, that's fine. But like they hit the bottom and like when you see people do burpees and the thighs are touching the floor on the bottom of a burpee or the bottom of a push-up, yep. if your thighs touch the floor on the bottom of a push-up, it's not a push-up. You have broken at the midline, at the hip, at the, at the knee. You're no longer a straight line. Yep. I believe every burpee and every wall walk, the bottom of it is a push-up. And I don't believe just because it's not a full push-up, or it technically is, you do go through the full range. I believe it should be done with rigidity in the midline. You know, crazy idea. Um, You know, it's interesting uh, in thinking, so then I'll conclude with, at the end of this nine-week cycle, I'll conclude with a a workshop at their gym. It's going to be a three-hour athlete workshop showing these guys how to program their own tempo training in auxiliary work for themselves based on the movements they want to get better at in CrossFit. Yeah. Right? I, uh, I'm curious, you know, it's, it's one of these things where I'm curious to see in sports like endurance running, there's egos in endurance running, there's egos in CrossFit. I feel that for runners, when they first got into it, it was hard. Yeah. They're better at it. They're good. Now it's even called like, you're, they're a mediocre runner. They're proud of their performance. They're like, I'm still getting better every day, but I'm happy. I'm good with myself as a runner. We go out for a run. I'm not the last guy yeah. CrossFitters. It's super hard when they come in, they work their butts off. And even though the techniques off and this, then the other thing. They, you know, they're like, oh man, I've got this now. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I'm telling you, like people are not happy that this cycle is happening. There are some people that are not thrilled about it. I know that for a fact. And it's because now they're being exposed as a beginner again. Yeah. And that was the thing, like me going into the sport of running, I was so excited to be a beginner. I like when someone finds flaws in my movement. I like when I, you know, you mentioned the guys bouncing out of the hole. I remember using the stretch shortening cycle on every single rep ever imaginable so I could bounce out of the hole. But you had Dr. Kelly Starrett on, correct? Mm -hmm. What was Dr. Kelly Starrett's very first mobility wad video? Zero, zero, one. 10 minute squat test. Yep. What is a 10 minute squat test? It is 10 minutes of time under tension in the bottom of the squat. So when Adam's sitting here talking about like, well, if you had tight hips, one of the things you could be doing, it's a little more passive, but I mean, it's actually not very passive. Is sit, you know, grab, you know, grab the squat rack, the rig and walk yourself down to the bottom of the squat, holding onto that squat rack. So you can keep an upright torso, you know, shift your weight a little bit, make sure your weight's in your heels for 10 minutes. All Kelly Starrett did is say, guys, if you create 10 minutes of time under tension in the bottom of the squat, a lot of things, dorsiflexion at the ankle improves, mm-hmm. hip mobility improves, Let, you know, your quad tightness at the rectus improves, like all these, all these good things improve, your tor- thoracic extension improves under, with time under tension. Yeah. I think it's funny that that was literally the first video, like of all the not exciting videos to start with. Hey, 10 guys, minutes of time under tension. Yeah, that's we're, it. We're going to hold the squat. Yeah. And then he made a few more after that. A few, just a few, just, just a, few. a few, just a few. Stu, this is great. I, I, I think this is fantastic. Um, result-wise, how do you feel? Yeah. I feel great. So every DEXA scan since I started this exam, this, um, and I've been doing DEXA scans for over a year now. But since I started like doing this style tempo training, all this lean body mass has increased by. So I'm 205 pounds pretty much every morning. And I hover around like this 9%-ish type body fat level. Um, Bone density, lean body mass, everything has increased and gone up. Uh, My second VO2 max test comes. It's going to be, unfortunately, it's going to be an apples to oranges. My first one was done on a bike. And if anyone's familiar with the way VO2 max tests are done, the bike is not as indicative um, as the, the tread is. For especially for someone who's running a marathon, obviously. Yep. So my next one is going to be on the tread, um, but my VO2, uh, I think I came in at like 45 um, on the VO2 max. So we'll see where that climbs up. And yep. once you, you know, once you hit 40, your you know your VO2 max is just steadily declining thereafter. After 40 years old, it's you know you got to work to oh, yeah. keep it up. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see where that goes. I'll probably start doing actually even some lactate threshold testing as well. Um, and just to see how many millimoles of lactate I generate and, you know, and see how quickly I'm able to clear that. So result wise, good. Um, yeah, my last, I did a a training run of a half marathon. I've never ran a half marathon before. never ran 13.1 miles. I just did a, after 90 minutes of doing tempo trading, went out, I hit it at like 134 and that was not a maximal. And I was, I was happy with that because again, I'm telling myself, okay, if I don't run a full marathon in three, I better be able to run a half in 130. Yeah. And so that, um, for that, you know, my first time ever running 13.1 miles, I was like, okay, we're, we're on pace. October's a far ways away. I gave myself plenty of time to get this done, plenty of time. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think the results are coming nice and steady. I've been injury free. Um, and I'm enjoying it. I thoroughly enjoy these work. Like I look forward to them every single day. It's so much fun just playing and using myself as this guinea pig. And I've tried workouts. So I'm like, that didn't work. Ooh, that was that was not a good combination of movements. It wasn't the right dose response. Blah 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 blah. Um, but no, I'm I'm really enjoying it. 
Yeah. See, that, that's fantastic. Cause I, I hear sadly too many runners, they, they will commit, which is great. You have a goal. Hey, this is, I'm doing Chicago to fantastic yeah. course, by the way, it's like that a job it, though. It's flat. Exactly. When they get to the point where you hate this, Oh my God, I have another long, I got to go out for a run. I get uh, sad because I'm only running. Like I want to run more than the days I am. I'd love to go running every day, but I'm purposely not because I, again, that's part of my, that my hypothesis here is that you can have a minimum viable distance. Yeah. So I'm kind of having to stick to that, but there, I've really fallen in love with it. And there's yeah. days where like it rains on my running day. I'm like, oh, fuck, <laughs> I got to push that back. Like, um, and because I'm, again, I'm not a runner. I'm not yeah. a real man enough to get up and go run in the rain because yeah. I'm not a runner. I'm just <laughs> happen to be running for the next year. Well, de- depending on the Chicago weather, just to, just to let you know, I've seen Chicago be 108 degrees in yep. October and, uh, I had a buddy run it. What I don't know how many years ago it was, seven years ago or something like that. They, they canceled it halfway through. Like people are running and it got too hot. Too many people were going down. And oh so really? They, they canceled it. And uh, half the group's like, "No, forget this. We we're, we're go. We're going. Yeah, we're, we're gonna finish." And, and he ended up finishing. Um, and the day I did it, literally the the morning of was twenty five degrees, and we're oh, wow. freezing our our tails off. And I had as many layers as we possibly could on. And then the gun went off. You trip, you know, strip up all the layers and just you know. Going no. to charity at that point, and yep. you just you, you run and you you freeze for you know the whatever the three to five to six to seven hours, and you, you just endure. So, yeah. um, Stu, I'm excited for you. This is I'm excited Thank to you, see. Sir. I think you're gonna do you great. Um, I appreciate. It. I think I think too. I think runners run too much, and I think you are not running too much. And I think you're, you're training smart and you're doing all the extra things to, you know, get coaches and make sure that you're, you know, running correctly. Cause you could do all this stuff and run like a duck and hurt yourself. And yeah, I, I think it's also such a, I think it's such an insult to think that running is just something we're all naturally just going to do well, just cause you can do it as a kid. Yeah. Like I, I did like it's as me as someone like you, I come from the exercise science as strength coach kind of perspective. Like I think it's just almost insulting that I even thought that like, oh, I don't need to worry about my technique unless I have a barbell in my hand. Like yeah. that's just, it's silly. Yeah. Those are always the track and cross country coaches that drove me nuts when they were like cheerleaders that doubled the secretaries. Cause they were yeah. writing down splits and saying, go yep. faster. Like a basketball coach coaches, you know, how to shoot the ball, wrestling coach, coach you know, coach. Says, yeah. You got to understand the biomechanics of running. Yeah. And and for some reason running is like, Oh, just go do it and do it harder. Yeah. Like I do think it's one of the most mechanically difficult things to identify and correct. I have, I still, to this day, I can't have an edge. If you wanted to have a high level educated cons like biomechanics conversation about running, I would be quiet because I, I cannot participate yet. I'm getting better with all these going and getting my form analyzed and looking at the, the looking at the video with them and looking yep. at the different things, but I'm still um, very novice when it comes to coaching or even understanding the biomechanics of running. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'll figure it out, but I, I don't think, and I don't think I've, I've completely figured it out, but I think you keep stuff simple. Everybody's a little bit different with, you yeah. know, how they, you know, and whatever you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. So if people want to find out and, and, and follow your, yeah, just follow your this here, thing, follow this fun experiment. Go? Yeah. Just um, respect the tempo, all one word on the gram. Um, the YouTube channel is where like the longer format stuff that I'm documenting this thing is really at. So think of like Instagram is like my daily journal where I'm documenting this whole thing and I've got nothing to sell anyone. There is no programming. I've got, this is literally just my diary. And I, for anyone who wants to come along and enjoy and watch it, please do. But um, respect the tempo on Instagram, the same thing on YouTube, um, just the longer format videos, like more explanation, more science, whiteboard, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, come along for the journey and uh, we'll see whether I completely shit the bed come October or whether, regardless, win or lose, I'm doing this uh, for a reason beyond myself. I'm really just enjoying the process of the whole thing. And uh, um, yeah, I, uh, I appreciate you giving me uh, your platform to, to jam with you on this. Yeah. 
Stu, I, pre I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy. Um, you got training to do today. Um, so yeah, excellent. Respect the awesome. tempo. Respect the tempo, brother. Thank you so much. There we go. Awesome. Listeners, thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. That's all we have for you today. If you have any questions or want to chat or interested in seeing what we're up to in between episodes, head over to Instagram and Facebook and follow at Oakstrength. Also check us out at oakstrength.com. If you like this episode, please share it with someone who wants to live happy, healthy, and strong. If you really liked it, subscribe and review the Happy Healthy Strong podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Be sure to tune back in next week and remember to keep owning your health.